Hello, and welcome to the Art of Mini War. I'm Holly. And I'm Aaron. And this is a podcast about miniature wargaming and all all the culture and games and all the cool stuff that is uh, in that. It's very well said by me, and I will take the compliment from myself very well. Thank you. And with us today, we have Jeremy. Hello. And Craig. Howdy. And we're going to be talking about working at a game store because that is something we all do. Yes. Yes. I would say well, but I don't really get to make that call. <laughs> well, I've worked at three now so far, and I... That also means you got fired twice. Uh, it means I... <laughs> Aaron? <laughs> you know, it's really hard to work remotely from 2,200 miles away. That's just a, that's a bad excuse. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, having done that... Well, I guess the first one doesn't really count in this context. I was running Friday Night Magic, so not quite the same, but similar. Adjacent, shall we say. Yes. So, Craig, you own Gadjo. Can you tell us a little bit about just how that came to be? Do you want the long version or the short version? We we got like an hour and a half, two hours. We can go all day. (laughs) Well, we can go for an hour and a half or two hours. Not all day. (laughs) That is not the definition of all day. But yeah, we can go for the long one. Well, I, uh, I've always been interested in uh, miniature gaming. Uh, I, uh, I enjoyed to playing from when I was uh, very young. And uh, I always thought it would be kind of cool to own a store, but I kind of backed into the store. I started selling pre-painted figures online, and I did it out of my house. And it was a way to earn a second income and... It also was a bit of insurance because uh, for my day job, I was uh, kind of forced to make a move that I didn't really want to make geographically. And I wanted to set up conditions so I wouldn't have to do that again. So I started the uh, doing the painted figure business, but it just kept growing and growing and growing. And every year it was more work, um, but it was also selling more and selling more. And so it it got to the point where I couldn't keep doing it with my day job. And I knew I needed to hire somebody. And I didn't really want the person I hired to be working out of my house. Uh, So I thought, I need to get a location. And if I'm going to do that, why don't I just open a store? So that's where the store came from. Yeah, it's good. That was how long ago? 8, 10, 12, 100 years ago? Well, we were in the first store. The first store I opened, I, I leased pretty much the cheapest acceptable space I could find. It was also next to a Dairy Queen, and I like ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) A big advantage. Yeah, 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 it worked. Um, Just to see if it would work. So that was five years. We were in that place five years. I had a five-year lease. When the uh, lease was uh, coming up, I thought, uh, this is going really well. I'd like more space, but I really don't like leasing. Leasing was hard. It was hard to get the landlord to do anything with the building, when things broke, it seemed to take forever to get them to fix it. I uh, I thought, you know, it would be really great to own my own building. So we moved into the, the new building, which is, it's in a shopping center, but it's all retail condos. So the people running the businesses uh, actually can own the building. So I own the building that we're in. We've been in that building now going on five years. So about 10 years in terms of the retail side, and I was doing the pre-painted figures for probably another 10 years before that. Yeah, and you're still doing the pre-paints now. 
Yeah, so. just out of the store. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's, I find it interesting that um, if you go around and look at any other game store, it's always a mix of stuff and you only you only do. I say you, but we, because all of us work there now, we, we just do miniature gaming. So, uh, and that's, uh, a lot of people seem to think that that's a challenging thing because a lot of people just back up their their wargaming stuff with cards or board games and we just kind of don't need to do that yeah the economic model is difficult so i understand why a lot of stores try to carry a lot of stuff cards are very lucrative they don't take up a lot of space they have uh, nice margins so um so card gaming um you know ever since the introduction of magic has really kind of exploded and a lot of stores, I think, uh, wind up covering their rent and making a lot of their uh, their money off of cards. But I really have never been that interested in cards. And I think one of the things that's really important when you run a store is you really got to believe in your products and you have to have some knowledge around the products. Uh, people don't come into a retail store uh, to just buy stuff that you don't know anything about. You can do that online. So one of the things that's, uh, I think, really important for a retail store, you got to actually understand the, the product. And uh, I really like miniature games. I always have. Uh, I enjoy painting. I enjoy assembly. I enjoy playing on the tabletop. I'm, uh, I just really enjoy that sort of stuff. I have a certain level of passion for it. So I wanted uh, a store that catered to the sort of stuff I like to do because I thought I'd be better at that. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's let's switch into um, like running events. And um, I know we've all run events at the store now. And um, kind of how that... Not necessarily how that affects the business, but well, that too, but more kind of a, a, a community growth aspect and, and seeing that how that how that how that affects the, the store community, not necessarily the, the community of the area, because I, I feel like it the more events you run that uh, obviously it pulls more people to your store. And there's a, there's a on the other side of the customers, there's a loyalty aspect, because even if like um, they have really competitive pricing, if you don't play there, most people don't buy there. And that that's I feel very important. So we've all we've all run stuff. Jeremy runs a bunch of uh, league stuff and uh, yes, fair, fair amount do. of that. And uh, I've run a bunch of very silly tournaments. <laughs> and uh, Craig runs everything always, <laughs> all the time. Uh, I should just. Uh, it's weird to call you Craig. It's very weird. <laughs> He's my dad. I'm gonna preface that so I can just say dad. It's odd for me. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so let's let's talk a bit about that, Jeremy. Let's kind of take a stab at it. Boy, would I ever! So your most recent league that was the Kill Team League. That and the current Blood Bowl team that or Blood yeah, Bowl you're, league you're that is run running that. currently. I am one of the three people running that. Yeah, and that's being done across multiple stores because the other store, Game Night, is not in competition with any of the products that we carry. So, and that's an interesting uh, thing to cover as well. Is is a lot of leagues don't have inter store thing so i think that's a really interesting i think that's a really interesting way to do it because they're not competitors to us they they do board games and stuff and all that right they, they do the exact opposite of what we do so that's interesting so yeah let's, let's the the blood bowl league is uh for one i can't believe i'm doing well i'm doing okay which has never <laughs> happened ever you guys both beat me so there's that you you haven't played the game before the league started except I, once so i you know it my first season i won one game it was the first game. I lost, and that was all against goblins. Eleven others after that. <laughs> yeah, oh I boy. lost six or seven players throughout the season. It was really bad. Yeah, yeah. I but still have a certificate from it of being bad of how bad I was. <laughs> so, like with the community building, 
Yes. And that sort of thing. Like, how do you direct that with, like, how, what approach did you and the other organizers take with doing this interstore? Because I did interstore, like, events that were, like, one-off events that really didn't correspond. And this is a whole league, so that's a whole different right. thing. So can you go into, like, how that, how this whole thing came to be, like, how? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are a couple other guys who, like, there's two other guys who are running the league with me, and they had been running leagues for a long time. Mike had been running stuff, I think, in Washington, like, for years. So he's been doing this for a really, really long time, and our guy who wanted to, who did run our Blood Bowl stuff, wanted to stop running anything, because he just ran all, like, a lot of stuff. Like, all the Friday night, like, campaign stuff, he ran, and it just was really taxing for him. And a bunch of us wanted to play Blood Bowl, so I stepped up and I was going to help run this. And then I heard about these other guys and they got a hold of me. And we just kind of like, we had a lot of similar players. So we just kind of coordinated a big like league between the two stores. And like, it's it's working out pretty well so far. Yeah. How do you choose like what to run? Because I, I always, for me, it's a bit different because it's always, it's always something I want to do. And I know that's a big aspect, but if it, it, if that, the, if, that is definitely one of the, yeah, but, but also like if there's something coming up and I know dad, you do this a bunch where if it's like, this is a new release, so I'm going to run it because that improves sales and gets people into the game or, or whatever. So I, f- I feel like there's a, for, for running stuff, I feel like there's a big aspect of either it's just, I want to run this or this is a calculated effort to either boost sales or like this new thing's coming out. So it's new and exciting to play. Yeah. That's, that's entirely what the kill team campaign was was this new games coming out we had tried before to have a campaign happen it didn't work out because the kill team rules weren't very good at the time they're kind of bad the new ones are much better like it's 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 a much old ones more the the The, online ones or the the, heralds of ruin i think that's yes they they do a really good job the the standard GW one, however, was bad. very bare bones. There was no yeah. campaign, anything, and they actually added pieces of that into the game. And there was a huge amount of interest oh, yeah. when we ran the first time. So I was like, oh, new book just came out. I'll just start running the day everything comes out. Yeah. Like set up a whole bunch of tables, like, and it sales saw a significant increase. Yeah. As a result. And also, like, people get to play with new toys. And also, like, uh, and this is a calculated move on GW, GW's effort is that if you buy, like, for for example, I I made a silly list of just four lictors. That's ridiculous. But, um, and most people would take that into, like, now I'm going to start Tyranids. I'm not. But a lot of people are, like, are going to go out and they like, well, I already have this squad. And it's useless if I'm not just playing Kill Team. And if Kill Team Peter's out, then I just have these useless guys. Or whatever. Like, it's just a good way to, to get stuff in. And that helps stores as well. So You mean like your current commission of Tau, which started out as a Kill Team, which then turned into a full army? Exactly, yes. That, that <laughs> A lot of people have, have done that because of Kill Team. Like, yes. people picked up, like, oh, I'll just buy a box of Thousand Suns, and then I'll be done. That, it's yeah. never how that no, works. No, that's not how that works. Because then you paint them, and you're like, these guys are, these guys are really cool. Yeah. I need a hundred more. It's a little <laughs> addicting. It's like you get that yeah. first taste and you're like, ooh, I need I need to finish this out. Or what would what it be like with this? And then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, I just accidented into an entire army. This is, why, this is why I haven't built my uh, Gene Steeler Colts from the box it, yet. It's why it's called plastic crack. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, as far as just like the community, like getting people into the store is one thing, but having a community of people because there's a regular cast of characters each night of the week. Like, yeah. Like, for example, we have a, there's a pretty decent sized group on Wednesdays that comes and plays AOS every single week. Friday is 
uh, just a menagerie of insane people that play whatever the heck they want. And then Saturday is is mostly historical stuff, which is very cool. And that's <laughs> there's a lot of people. We got a lot of new guys this year. So uh, and that's all just because we run it. I think <laughs> I think that's a huge part. So I I think the big draw is is us. Like that's a, a thing to point out is that because we are knowledgeable and we're friendly yeah. and outgoing that draws people in. Yeah. Like people always want to talk about their toys. Exactly. Like uh, the store I worked at before I moved to Utah, I was the miniature wargaming specialist. I was that the staff member representing that department. I had colleagues who were uh, magic players. I had colleagues who were more board game oriented, but I had to be the knowledgeable one about miniatures, which sometimes would be a little bit like I'd answer the phone and North Jersey is very different than Utah where everything's geographically very far. There aren't as many game stores. So if you're looking for a kit, you're going to call ahead unless you're a regular, yeah. in which case you, you know, you're coming in for the game. Anyway. You're coming in for a game anyway, and you'll just order it and have it next week. So answering the phone and being like, yeah, um, you know, this is Holly. What can I help you with? And just having people like, D- do you have anybody who can like talk to me about 40K? I'm like, well, congratulations. You've uh, reached the miniature wargaming specialist and just dealing with the community that way where it was unexpected for me to be the staff member who knew miniatures. Yeah. And I went out of my way to know as much about as many product lines as possible. So if I had someone come in and talk about infinity, I didn't just sit there sputtering going up uh, did I, I don't know. They have guns and they, are they, in power suits. They like, do that. Yeah. And they have, <laughs> th- those are those boxes over there. I wanted to do better than that. I mean, that is literally my extensive, extensive knowledge about infinity is they are, they have guns. <laughs> that's it that's all i know it's a neat system and i think we should play sometime because like it's actually models. kind of that's fair but still otherwise I um would. no but it's just knowing your product lines well enough that if somebody calls you you can explain it over the phone you don't need yeah. to have to show it so that was something that i learned from personal experience just having to do that a lot and running events with people from outside my area who'd come in just because there weren't a lot of miniatures events happening because it just, the community wasn't as built up as it is here where it's just like any weekend I could probably go play an ITC uh, 40K tournament in the state. Yeah, so. yeah. No, they're, they're every, I think there's at least one, maybe two a month in, in just Utah, in just the Salt Lake Valley alone. Because yeah. I know Shiv run, runs one every month and there's t- like, oh gosh, there's so many, I think there's like 10, eight game stores, like actual miniature game stores in just the valley. Yeah. Which and is that's madness. not including Utah Valley, which also no. has a ton. They have like four or, or Davis County. Yeah. Or, yeah. or Weber. There's, there's yeah. a lot. Yeah. But yeah, having to organize events that serviced four or five counties and being there and being that person who could answer questions and make yeah. sure that your needs were met and also maintaining good relationships with our neighboring stores. Yeah. And also I feel like that is a lot harder to make sure that like if you're running event, it has to be worth the drive there and back again, a hub is still Bilbo Baggins. Um, <laughs> I have to, it's, it's law. Whereas here it's just, there's so many stores that it's five, 10, 20 minutes tops and uh, you'll be there pretty much. And um, it's a lot more competitive. I feel. It is. And you definitely can choose. Yeah. You you're not stuck with, well, this is the only game store within, you know, a half hour drive of me. So Yeah, and I guess hate that I'm, guy and he's there every day. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like and we had those issues. Uh there was a 
a guy that nobody really liked because uh, his odor was rather offensive. Yes. And he had made his rounds through the game stores and every, every, because I would talk to other staff members at other stores because you do have to coordinate because you don't want to compete with each other. Like if I'm running a 40K event on the first weekend of the month, you don't want to run one because then we're going to split our community. Yeah. So there was just a lot of open communication between, you know, scheduling things just so we weren't stepping on each other's toes, trying to divide the community because it was yeah. better for everyone if we kept the community together and then had, you know, everybody kind of took their turn hosting. Yeah. But yeah, there's just certain individuals where you're like, dang it, I know he's going to be there and I really don't want him to be, but this is the only game store on, you know, my half of the county. So I guess, yeah. I guess this is where I'm going. Yeah. Even though uh, Tim Tom as his fictional name will be. <laughs> Oh, really don't like that Tim Tom. Um. <laughs> yeah, just having conflicts of personality and realizing that we're all nerds and it is a fairly small community, even though like here in Utah, there's a lot of you have choices. When you come to think about it, it's still a small community. Yeah. And like stores like people have personalities like there's certain groups like are generated by types of stores, like depending on the people who work there, the people that they attract, people they cater to, all of that sort of thing. Yeah, like we're very a, a beer and pretzels kind of group. We're definitely absolutely. more fun. Like we're not going to come in with a absolutely killer, you know, min-maxed ITC yep. list to go, you know, beat somebody's face in with it. No, this, lo this looks cool and I'm going to play with it. I like this unit. It's bad. I took 10. <laughs> Um, the Aaron just, signature. That yes. is, that's what I do. Um, yeah, because uh, we don't we don't net list, but there's the, there's definitely stores around the valley where if you are competitive, you can go there. Whereas um, if it's a smaller market for for stores, if there's not that many stores, then uh, all the casuals are gonna just bump elbows and play that super competitive guy and have a bad day. Yeah, and that happened in a 40k escalation league that my predecessor at the store I was at, so the one of the previous wargaming specialists was running. And it was seventh, so he had to house rule a bunch of stuff because there was a lot of broken stuff for escalation yeah. in seventh. And we had this guy who like came in with this real min-max list uh, because he found an exploit in one of the house rules where you couldn't take transports. You could only take troops and like HQs in the first couple rounds just yeah. to encourage people to foot slog. Well, in seventh... Eldar jet bikes were troop choices. Yeah. And uh, that's unfortunate. You just, you looked at his list, you saw what he was bringing. And you picked and up your toys and went home. That's exactly what <laughs> happened because he also wasn't a fun person to play games with. And I'm like, I looked at this and I'm like, nah. Yeah. And one of my friends played him in another round, looked at the list, went, I, I, could, be, I could be hanging out with my, my other friends right now, packed up and left. He yeah. didn't even hang out at the store because. He was just so turned off by that matchup that he would rather be somewhere else. And that's kind of something you've got to avoid happening. Yeah. I feel like we don't, I'm, I'm glad we don't have, we have a time and place for the competitive people to show up to the store, but they're not the regulars. Like we'll, we'll run tournaments and we're going to run some tournaments this, this coming year. And that's going to be, that's going to be fun. Cause I also, I find the uh, non-competitive tournament as I have uh, done a few times now is it, it gets out. The competitive people will show up and do something stupid, which I find hilarious. 
because um, I mean the the forty k one we had a lot of night players and that was obnoxious because that's just that's not kind of, that's not fun for a lot of people. Uh, the nights were actually a problem in that just because there were so many. If there was like one or two and they didn't take the big giant knight, the new one, whatever his name is, um, then it would have been fine. Um, but when we had like four four night players, I think it was a lot. Um, and then. In a thousand points, that's how I, I ran. It was a random doubles. I ran a thousand points, and you just get every match. You get paired with another random person, and it was ridiculous. Um, but those knights kind of they just dominated so much that it was a little too competitive um, for that. And it was because the knight codex had just dropped. I feel like if I ran it now, if I ran it this Saturday, um, we wouldn't have that problem. We would have a lot of orcs because that just came out. I feel like there's a lot that nobody runs like non-competitive quote unquote tournaments. Um, and I feel like that's an untapped thing because you'll get the, 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 the super casual guys who are just like, that sounds fun. I'll show up. And then you'll get the, the competitive people too. Cause it is a tournament, but they're going to step it down. Cause it, they, they realize that it's, it's just a big pile of dumb. That this one is just, just for fun. Exactly. I mean, there's still prizes and stuff, but uh, it <laughs> there, it I feel like that's a very special event that people should, try and run just less competitive tournaments yeah and i think we actually should release our structure for that as yeah like yeah a thing that's something we'll eventually yeah, uh, put it up on make the available because that was wildly popular the oh random, yeah both of your random doubles were huge successes yeah that's why i'm making them an annual thing right. every june random doubles 40k bam and then so, was it september october October. Was September. Was it October? Yeah. Whatever. I ran it again later for AOS, and the AOS one was super fun. Yeah. And- well, no one owns like four basilisks or whatever. Like, yeah. Or magma dragons or whatever. Well, you can only like- take, yeah, you can't even take that many, but yes. Yeah. Because and they- even if you, I did think about taking two giants. Giants aren't even that good, but they're very funny. Anyway. <laughs> no, you take the Bonebreaker Gargant. The, the Forge World one. That's yeah, the, I, I know that four, one. They're 400 points. I could take, I could take one of those. And then a bunch of goblins, and then a tra- trash goblin boss, and then my goblins would just hang out, and I'd just gargant people. Wow. Anyway. That sounds like a really effective trash list, Aaron. It would not be, but it would be very fun, because I'd have a very large man on the board the size of a toddler, and he would die pretty quick, because <laughs> they have a terrible save. But anyway, anyway. But yeah, as far as like tailoring your events to your community, and just knowing which games to do, like our uh, Warhammer Underworlds tournaments are just a very different experience because that game is designed for tournaments yeah it's built for competitive play so that's you're going to attract different people and that does bring other people in and just kind of rotating through games that are represented on the schedule yeah and doing leagues oh we have a very very cool community i feel because we can do the old dead games and we can get a few weeks out of it like i'm going to run a gorkamorka campaign at some point this year this coming year i'm excited oh yeah I'm excited very for the Epic Armageddon one that we're also talking about. Yes. Uh, so we can do, with our Friday night group, we can kind of just say, we're doing this. And then most people will be like, yeah, okay, cool. Because a lot of the old uh, specialist games, you don't require that many models. One of the problems with, with our specific community in our store is uh, people don't paint. We have a lot of gray, peop- gray, gray dudes running around, um, which gets annoying. But, uh, oh, well. But I feel like with those small skirmish games, it's like, it's six dudes. I can get that done. That 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 was the big motivation to start doing like the leagues of like Mordheim and Necromunda and then Kill Team yeah. was oh, I have like twelve guys to paint. I can do that. Everybody should get their stuff painted. And then we yeah. do like an incentive like, oh, you can reroll one die in a game. Yeah. If you're like something painted. like that. Like, yeah. 
it's um i feel like that's a good way to get especially people who don't paint their stuff like the twins we had them on we have them on another episode but um the twins they don't they're notorious they they are notorious for just seas of gray um they they play everything in fairness to them though they they, do. they own a lot of stuff i don't know how they could paint everything that they own well not everything but they don't even they don't they paint nothing they, they don't try no so. no and they they have before but um i feel like running the small stuff like that also encourages because once you start painting you kind of get a hand of it you're like okay this is actually kind of fun you can start to enjoy it because um, a lot of people just find it frustrating at the beginning, and that's that's and that's a, another thing with like the internet culture we're in is just seeing great stuff all, that's every out there day. all ev- all day every day, and you're looking at it going oh. You're looking at your sad marine and, with misplaced eyes, and you're, and like, you're just mm, like now I can't even put them on a table. Yes, you can. Yeah, it's just you, and we'll talk about that in a future episode. Is yeah. just accepting your own level of painting and just improving because yeah. that's all that's all you can do is just keep practicing and get better but as far as like being part of the community and you know getting that out there i think it is it is another aspect of it that should be definitely encouraged as you know just something you do is like hey i painted these guys this week yay go me and i I think that's a a cool part about the utah community because the utah zone warhammer page on facebook they have a i I think everyone does it now but the, the what i painted wednesday or work in progress. I don't know which one it actually stands for. I think it's, it's supposed work to be work in, pro- in, work in progress, but, people, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. But every every Wednesday, people post what they've painted. And I think that's very encouraging for a community because y- you see the super good guys and you see them like mid-step. You'll be like, I'm halfway through this. It's Wednesday. I got to post it. Yeah. Um, even if it's not done. So you see people who are who you know are very good painters. You've seen their final progress, their final, their final minis. And then you see them mid-step and it's like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, I can do that. You know, and but then yeah, there are people like me who's like, I haven't posted a whip Wednesday in like a month because I haven't picked up a paintbrush in a month, and it makes I, you feel a little ne- bit guilty never, about it. I never have posted a work in progress Wednesday, and I paint or build stuff every Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, think I'm doing it wrong. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. you're doing it opposite, but that's okay. Um, uh, but, yeah, so. Uh, Dad, how do you pick stuff to run and uh, on the event side of things? Well, it, it's a good question. I think there's a number of different factors. Um, I'm not too concerned as the business owner around selling stuff. I'm more concerned about player experience. So when new stuff comes out, I think people want to know they're going to have a chance to try that stuff. So trying to structure things so people who are interested in doing something new know that they're going to get a chance to play and do something with it is more important. The sales will come or not come based on the product and the strength of the game. But I think that really helps. It it gives players a much better experience because there's nothing more frustrating than saying, oh, there's this cool new game and I want to get into it, and then just having no opportunity to play it. I tend to do mostly historical stuff because that's what I like. But uh, uh, historical stuff's a little bit different because there's a lot of crossover people, like a lot of the new historical gamers that we've brought in in the last 12 or 18 months are just guys who came into the store that were interested in history but don't necessarily know a lot about gaming or had heard about it. And for them, understanding the history side of things is at least as important as the cool miniature or the cool game system. So... um, 
I do campaigns. There are certain groups that really like campaigns. So I am always running a campaign for groups that want to play in those. And then those generate battles. And a lot of people really enjoy that sort of stuff. And then I do a big battle on the fourth Saturday of every month. And it kind of rotates between different systems because I want to make sure people have a chance to play things. So one of the historical periods that has been a huge success for us that you wouldn't think would be that popular is Pike and Shop. So kind of the Renaissance period. And it all started because back in the old store, somebody wanted to buy some Pike and Shot stuff and said, I don't know whether I'd ever have a chance to play. And I ran a game using the old uh, DBR rules by Phil Barker, because I used to play that. And we had like five or six guys come in and want to play. I I barely had enough figures for everybody to push stuff around. And and everybody liked that so much, they started building these huge armies. uh, And then Warlord released the actual Pike and Shot rules, which are very good. And uh, they've been releasing supplements. I've now run a couple different campaigns for Pike and Shot. And some of the groups that play at the store have done a series of games on Pike and Shot. And every year I run at least one, possibly to Pike and Shot games so people know they're going to have a chance to play with their toys. So how do you decide which product lines to support and or is that just very reactive to the community where you're like well my community likes this so I'm going to get more of these product lines or maybe I'm going to kind of stay away from this game because it might not suit my community's typical preferences. There, there's a couple factors. I think you got to look at it from the manufacturer perspective, and then you got to look at it from the customer perspective. So from the manufacturer perspective, it's not a good idea to waste your time promoting stuff if the manufacturer isn't good about supporting their stuff. And sometimes this is a, a moving target. So for example, uh, Dystopian Wars, we had a big community. We had a lot of stuff. Spartan Games uh, had some financial problems and went bankrupt and there just wasn't any support available. Now, eventually that game system has gotten picked up and maybe at some point in the future, there'll be manufacturer support for it, but it's pretty sporadic. So spending a lot of time trying to promote that, it it just leads to player frustration because they can't get new stuff. They don't have uh, the opportunity to get a lot of the old stuff goes out of print. So you gotta gotta look at manufacturers who really support their stuff. You know, we, we do a lot with Battlefront. They're very good about supporting their stuff. They provide uh, game kits to run leagues. They provide little campaigns. They're very good. Warlord Games is another great company. They're very good about providing uh, prize support. They're the best company probably, at least that I work with, that does that. And they, they when they release something, you know there's a series of follow-up stuff that comes after it. So that makes sense. But the player side is is really critical, and I think that's what you were getting at. And and that is you, you got to have people that are interested in things. So so you over time you get to know your core player base. Uh, Warlord just released a new naval game this past weekend uh, called Cruel Seas. We're having a lot of fun with it already. Somebody to remain nameless, Aaron. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> has already bought a starter set the first night it was available. Already had it put together the next day. I didn't buy it. That was was John and and Mark. (laughs) I just played and shot guns at people. And somehow we both got pulled into it already. I didn't buy anything yet. The Russians aren't out. They have T-34 turrets on the the boats. I need them. You haven't bought them yet, but they're not out. Yeah, they will come out. When they're if they were out, I would I would have some T thirty four boats. 
but but there's a there's a group of people that like naval games. It's not a, a huge uh, set, subset of the people that uh, that tend to come to the shore to shop or to play. But there's a there's a group of, for that. So the the combination of knowing there would be people interested in that, and then also knowing that Warlord will continue to support that product once they release it. Uh, then it makes sense to try and schedule some stuff to support it. It also is inter it's going to be interoperable with Bolt Action and Blood Red Skies. That's their World War II land and air games. So there's an opportunity to do some really cool events where you have a naval battle that links to an air battle that links to a ground battle, and they all kind of interconnect. Okay. I feel like Blood Red Skies kind of fell by the wayside for a minute. Like they have, they've only released like one more kit, two more kits per faction and like an ace. So they've been kind of slow on that one, I feel. They, they had some production issues around some of the material that they were having okay. um, wasn't very good and they struggled to get uh, decent quality out of it. All the new stuff in January, there's going to be a whole bunch of new injection molded plastic stuff. If you saw the Hurricanes that just came out, they're gorgeous. They're yeah, injection the molded plastic. They are really, really nice. So I think it took a while for Warlord to to get the production side of things okay. right for that. Yeah, because I bought into that um, when it came out. Because air games are always frustrating for me because I like them, but they're always way too complicated. And I feel like that's a good middle ground of like, you get the feel of it, but you don't have to track like I'm at height 42. Like nobody wants to do. I'm, some people want to do that. I don't. And a lot of people don't. Um, and I feel like that's a, it's a good, easy system uh, that gets the feel across very well with minimal with minimal rules. So I, I, I just kind of I was annoyed that it kind of stalled on it. But it's good. I like but, it. But you bring up another really important consideration in what to run. And that's complexity. Yeah. There's space out there. Miniature Wargaming is a, is a broad church. There are lots of different ways to go after it. And there's a space for complex, detailed rules, but they don't lend themselves very well to source store-supported events. Those tend to gravitate to small groups of guys that want that level of complexity. They're going to invest their tons of hobby time in playing at that level. They're hard to teach new players. So... Um, so I think you got to look for that kind of middle of the road or lower complexity games for things that you want to support. Those are the ones where you can get people in to try things. It's not too, uh, too hard to teach people to play the game. So you can run big games and say to people that might be interested, hey, come and try it. We'll teach you. It'll take, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and you'll know what you're doing. Um, not a game where you got to study the rule book for two weeks before you can actually uh, do anything. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, Field of Glory. No, thank you. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's a, a good, rough one. It's a good set of rules. Uh, I've played it, but it's not. It's on the higher end of complexity. There's a new version coming out. It's going to be streamlined, I hope. But yeah. um, but it gives a very satisfying result. But you got to be really into that to invest to play. Yeah. Uh, at that level and the people who are into that level of detail they will gravitate towards that so i think as a store we offer that uh but it's not something that the store is gonna run yeah. events and things in it's not it's not uh, crowd friendly so as far as being at the store you're running an event and a random person walks in how what are your strategies handling that with this is a potential person who might actually be interested in this and is just like walked in and went, what is all of this? Yeah, we get a lot of that because of the sushi joint next next door <laughs> where they're like, we're waiting on food. What is this? And then they come in and then they just, 
their brains explode a little. They have no idea. It's very funny. <laughs> it's probably more from the Papa Murphy's across the uh, the parking lot. Yeah. They do a, a lot of uh, a business. You get a lot of people that say, hey, I saw you when I came to pick up my pizza. And uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity. It's one of the, the important things about location. This location, we get an awful lot more foot traffic than we did in the previous location. And that's by design. It's one of the things I was looking for when I bought this building. Because you want to be able to have people see you and um, be interested to come in and check it out. And uh, they're going to come in all, all different uh, interests. And some people will come in and, and, and you talk them through what it is, and they'll say, oh, this is really cool. I'm really interested in this. Other people will say, wow, that sounds cool, but I don't have the time. But they're at least exposed to it. And, um, and then, you know, you never know. The next Christmas they'd be in there buying something for their teenage uh, grandson or granddaughter because they said, oh, I, I remember you told me about this sort of stuff, and it sounded cool, and I think my niece or my uh, my granddaughter would really like this. So I actually had someone like this last week come in and was talking to me about Flames of War and getting started on that. And he had no idea what to get. And thankfully, we're running that Stalingrad event series currently. So, like, I pointed him to just some basic stuff. And then was just like, come in and play. Like, bring your son. See if he likes it. Like, we have tons of stuff. It'll be here. You can play. Test it out. See how you like it. See what you like, too. Yeah. And I feel like that's an interesting um, point is that store figures are, I think, very important. Um not for everything, obviously. Don't have a trillion of them, but um, don't have a made-up number of them. But um, I feel like that's that having like dedicated stuff for demos is very helpful for for introducing new players. What well, we had what two weeks ago, we had a couple come in. Mm-hmm. The guy played uh, 40k already, but his girlfriend was interested and wasn't. And he only had a little bit and she was interested in trying it, but didn't quite know what to do. So they came in and like, hey, can you run a demo for us? And we went, yeah. we absolutely can. Let's yeah, go. Because we have stuff. Let's go get this put together. And in about, I don't know, I'd say five minutes from the time they walked through the door to the time they were rolling dice. There was there was a, a, a touch of argument of who was available to run it. But yes, <laughs> we were uh, pretty busy that night. But yeah. But yeah, we still accommodated that and... She had fun. He had fun. The guy we had demo it, you know, had a great time walking them through the the new eighth, well, not new, but the eighth edition rule set. And it was, you know, it was a positive experience all around that, you know, we were able to, you know, have someone walk in and be like, yeah, this is something I'm interested in and turn that into like, okay, let's get some immediately. Let's get some stuff going and having easy access to the demo models made that so much easier rather than they're in a box somewhere and we're gonna have to go through the storage closet and hold on i need the broom because those spiders are gonna fight me as i'm trying to find this yeah it, i think it's especially important for games other than the games workshop games because those are those are like the ones that people know generally if they've got they're like oh i've heard of warhammer 40k but i haven't heard of like bolt action or whatever but like having some figures around and just being able to throw a game together like you can pique someone's interest get them playing and like they'll they'll walk out with stuff that day almost guaranteed yeah unless they had a miserable time but that's right yeah and that goes <laughs> to like just the art of the demo and knowing how to demo and i think that's just going to be a topic of itself later where yeah. we'll talk about effectively demoing so that your demo e feels like they 
got a handle it. on it. They had a positive experience. They had fun and kind of how to make and that. also the next step to take if you want to buy something. Yeah. So and then yeah, just being able to answer their questions and that comes back to being knowledgeable about product lines. Yeah. So I know. Sorry, I got straight into the thought of people who walk in and just go, "This is insane." Yeah. This is absolutely <laughs> nonsense. You guys are nuts. Well, Gadjo is a much more positive experience walking in because I've been because I travel a lot and I always try and hit up local game stores. And sometimes you walk into them and they're just these dungeons. There's no light. You walk in and you just get these nerds that turn around and just kind of hiss. And you're just like, what? Okay. Like, I get it. You're not used to strangers, but can we, uh, can I just walk through here without like getting stared at? Yeah. That that would be a really nice thing right now. So at least there's that, but you still get those people who are just like, I don't get this. I'm not sure I want to get this. Getting that initial like interest from, oh God, what is this? Because they always, they always come up to the counter and they're like, what is this? And that's, it's, it's always an odd thing to explain. I find. I mean, I always just explain it as it's analog video games, right? Kinda, Where yeah. the computer, like the computer, is basically just rolling the dice for you, right? Yeah. Like that's just the that I explain that, and people it kind of clicks a little bit for some people. Yeah, that or the it's like Risk, but with dudes, like yeah. actual like miniatures. Yeah, one of the you'll meet someone in the middle with like that, or like this is like a board game, but you're not constrained. To a board. Yeah. Well, I think the video game analogy is a good one in that uh, I think that's one of the things that parents find appealing when they're looking for stuff for mid-teen folks, which is an age when the GW stuff tends to be uh, something people are interested in. It's um, the way I explain it is it's got all the visual appeal of a video game, but it's also social. So you're, you're actually interacting with the person or people that you're playing with. But at the same time, you've got this real cool little world you can set up on the tabletop and you got these really cool guys that are three-dimensional and you can paint them up really nice. So you get kind of the best of, of both worlds. That yeah, and that social aspect, especially dealing with the nerd community and people who might be coming over from the video game side of things who don't have, I feel like one of the more natural progressions is video games, role-playing games, magic, and then into miniatures once they see it at like a game store. Cause it, that was my progression. So, and I know a lot of people have done that. And it's just kind of the social aspect is a little bit daunting at first. Yeah. Especially when you're originally like initially trying to get in and like, if you don't have someone that you can drag along with you and be like, you're playing this with me, then like actually getting a game in is, um, can be tough. Yeah, and that was something when I was getting into 40k, my now ex and I were getting in at the same time. So at least we kind of had each other getting in. So it's like I'm getting into this with a friend. So it's not like I'm buying in completely and not knowing if I'm going to have anyone to play. anyone to, yeah. who's going to be playing, especially with North Jersey being so spread out. And it's just if you're going to drive 35 minutes to get somewhere, you don't want to just sit there with your miniatures going well. It's nice that all the magic players are out today, but yeah. uh, that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah, I, I, we were definitely spoiled in that Aaron and I could always play a game growing up. Like, yeah, and I would always lose because Dark Eldar were terrible. I also was taking <laughs> one of the best units in the entire game. Yeah, so. Dark Eldar were bad. Yeah, De- third third edition Death, Death Company were pretty pretty terrifying. But Warp Fiends were cool. 
they were, but when I like <laughs> assault into them, it, yeah. It, mm, but they're terrifying meat. Do- they're terrifying meat dogs. God, those old old models are hideous. <laughs> I still have some. Yeah, they're bad. They were cool at the time. Yeah. Yes, you look at some of the old models, and you're like. I can only imagine a world where this was a really cool model. They were, uh... With their goblin green bases. Oof. Yeah. I'm glad that's died. <laughs> well, it, a lot of it has to do with those were the ones that weren't monoposed. Yeah. Like, your, like a lot of your plastic troop. Because you got plastics because they were cheaper, but they were all the exact same pose. Yeah, for a long time. Like, they're all a rat doing this. Like that. that yeah. yeah. Doing some crazy pose. And then you had ten of them, and it just looked weird. They're all choreographed dancing at you <laughs> violently. <laughs> it, uh, I, man, the third edition Eldar, Dark Eldar, are the most 90s thing I think of that has ever happened on a tabletop. And I can't believe they were my first army. <laughs> oh, they're bad. Yeah, I They're really bad. They, they came in the starter set. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah There's I, a reason for that. I had a commission yeah. of those because otherwise I would have never, ever like dealt with them. But yeah, I, I had a commission to paint like a whole bunch of them. And I'm looking at them, sitting at the game shop, looking over at the new models, looking down at the one I'm yeah. painting, going, oh, I'm really glad we've made progress from this point. Man, there's a lot of old models that are so cool, though. Ugh. Anyway. that That's why we play old games still. Well, I... That's why I play old games. Okay, I'll, I do I'll too. that way. But also, I use a lot of old... Min- I mean, my 90s Necron army, they're awesome. They're so cool. The old little death murder bots. Instead, because the new ones are just skeletons with laser guns. That's not as cool as giant mega somehow buff but metal. <laughs> just bricks of death. They're way cooler. Anyway. <laughs> Except the lawn chairs. Lawn chair destroyers. Ah, oh, they're so dumb. I love them. They're just lounging and murdering. They're great. Anyway, um... <laughs> Yes. Bringing this back away from Aaron's love of 90s GW products. Some of them. How how have you guys had to deal with like difficult customers? Because dealing with the clientele we deal with, there's a lot of very socially challenged individuals. And what's something that you've done to um, handle that as far as like addressing problems as they come up? Well, I mean, the big the big thing is that it is while you are working at a game store it is still like it's it's retail like any other job like that so you do have to have some some amount of like people skills like that's a that's a big part of it is being able it, you're not just selling like whatever product you're selling yourself at the same time so being able to interact with people is a huge piece of this and i feel like being behind the counter is is also like your representative of the community at the store so like if we're friendly and say like oh come down and play games you assume the people who come down and play games are also friendly like us so i feel like that's some stores are very standoffish and just like utilitarian like oh you want this cool done that's it yeah i i deal with that especially um if i'm traveling by myself yeah. And I walk into a game store, you know, some chick walks in and I don't necessarily get treated kindly. Yeah. So much as... They just like, assume you're not going to buy anything. Yeah, they assume I'm not going to buy anything. They assume I'm going to waste their time. And it's like, dude, I'm in here, honestly, to see if you have anything really cool, old, unique. Like, check I'm... Your, check your back stock for interesting stuff. Yeah, like, I'm in here because I want to shop your store. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's just, like, something that I've 
I've dealt with and I've noticed that if I travel with a male friend, I get treated a lot nicer. And that's it's very it's yeah, it's, that's a, boy, a, it's a boys club. Yeah, it definitely is. And um working in a game store where it's like, Hi, I'm Holly, I'm I'm on staff and they're just like, Really? You? And it's like Let me guess you do Pokemon cards. <laughs> I used to get that when I uh, worked at the one game store that did like everything. Yeah. Because it'd be like, oh, well, y- are you here for like board games or like role playing games? It's like, no, I'm actually the miniature wargaming specialist. And people would be like, what? You? Women cannot paint miniatures. Or, yeah. <laughs> or, we're, or we can paint them. We just can't play. Yeah. No way. That requires ba- basic arithmetic. You can't be doing that. That's a crime. Women and their books. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That that real struggle. Too much reading. Yeah, but <laughs> they're getting weird ideas in their heads playing miniature game. That this game has violence in it. Women don't like violence at all. But it's just it's something I ended up falling into because I mean, I guess well a little bit backstory because it is I'm like here yeah I work in miniatures and game stores. I feel like there needs to be a little bit of backstory for that to make any kind of sense. So brief one I used to do just tabletop RPGs like D&D and stuff with my friends, which they also LARPed. So I did live action role play with a bunch of friends. And then I had to have surgery and I was out of commission for months and I couldn't do physical things. So I ended up doing magic to kind of meet that social that nerdy ner- nerd thing. Quota. <laughs> and um, that was really good because while I was recovering, it gave me something to do and look forward to because otherwise it was just kind of like life was really boring but like the game store I was playing at was right down the road from my house and I could go hang out with people and I didn't, it wasn't the physical strain of LARPing. And then I realized that, oh, well, keeping up with standard is really stupid expensive. 40K is going to be cheaper, right? Which it is. Actually, surprisingly, it is. Yeah. But. One of the few hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. So getting into it that way, kind of a, an odd way to end up where I was at. And then being someone willing and able to run events, I just ended up doing that. So then I ended up going from the store I was originally at running Friday Night Magic to the store where I was doing just miniatures. And I mean, of course, you've got to take care of everything else because you're in because I used to open. I'd have to know everything, at least a little bit to be able to help people. But just getting to the point of being on staff and I'd go to conventions where I used to travel with a male friend and we'd walk up to like reps and they'd be like well I'm talking at you male person who's walked up to my booth and he'd be like no no you want to talk to her she's the one who works at the game store and just having that like little bit of oh okay and so yeah it does there's a little bit of that as far as getting taken seriously which you guys don't have to fight nearly as much as I do no no we we also were the kids of the guy who wanted to open a game store so he did yeah we uh we we had an enormous advantage we've been doing this we got since we were old enough to push plastic figures on the table and then break them because that i mean yeah <laughs> because that's what children do yes right. yeah i still do that i have very bad proprioception <laughs> but that's okay but yeah as far as like putting yourself out there and being the face of the store and like hi you know i would like to welcome you to my store like i want you to come back here and play in events and for me it was like getting players and retaining players yeah 
because there's, you know, you have to make that 35 minute drive worth it. So, yeah. well, I think a thing to point out is when people go shopping at game stores, the community in general is pretty small. So a lot of the thing that people go shopping to do is to have a conversation. Yeah. And talk and, about their models. Right. Exactly. So the first person they see is the person behind the desk. And if you are open and welcoming, generally they're going to talk to you. Yeah. That, Although sometimes that's a double-edged sword and you just get stuck in these conversations where it's like, it's been 45 minutes. I would really like to send one of my friends to go get me food right now. And I can't because I am being orally trapped yeah. and I'm being held verbally hostage right now and I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And I, you've I been... had to pee at the start of this. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, I'm just not, you're talking at me and I am 100% not interested in a word you've said in the last half hour. Oh, I'm trying my damnedest that, to pretend. That happens. Yeah. And it's just, Which I feel bad about doing cause they're nobody's, Okay, there are very few people who are just like bad people that do this. Yeah. Very, right. very, very, very minuscule percentage. But uh, generally, they're just socially exactly. they're socially inept. Like that's part. That's yeah, and uh, that's the kind of people generally who are drawn to this sort yeah. of hobby. And you do feel bad, and then sometimes. But sometimes you just can't. sometimes you're just like just I'm done. Like I had a guy buy two boxes of tack marines and some paint to impress me. Um, <laughs> I I had a hundred dollars. Does that interest you? And it's just like, uh, let me pull out my fat wallet. Yeah, Ooh, it's a whole hundo. And it's just like, no, because he he like wanted to get into the game to like impress me, and I'm like, friend, friend, I'll take your money. Thank I you. I will take your money, but this is this is not do this is not happening the way that you think it's happening. But sure, uh, enjoy those tack marines. Would you like the uh, hobby kit that goes with it? And can I sell you the codex and the rule book as well? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we don't get that. Yeah, you guys. Doesn't happen. No, not as much. Which is fine by me. But and then sometimes you just get those people where you can just tell they're they're very socially inept and they're very angry because of that. And you're just like, how do I minimize the destruction this person can do? While still including them. Yes. Yeah. Where you, you're like, okay, we've got to be a little bit tactical about this because he still has to be included. But And, and should be. And should not, be. Not, not have to. Yeah. Tactical not... inclusion, though. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah. Because you don't want to be like, well, we don't want you here because, you know, you don't know someone's entire life, their backstory, everything that has gotten them to this point. So you want to be inclusive. But if they're a nasty person and you're just like, all right, friend, I will play a game with you. That doesn't mean I want to, but I will. So you're still part of the community. It's that balancing act. And I feel like that falls a lot more on like store employees than and like the more community leader like customers. And it's just it's a weird thing to have to think about balancing within a quote unquote retail setting. Right. Like if I'm if I'm running something and someone who people generally do not like playing against becomes, I will assign myself that person. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. Or I try and just minimize that negative reaction. 
And then, of course, it like at events and stuff, if you have a person who is being a problem, just having to bite the bullet and be like, okay, I need to pull you aside. We need to have a conversation about what's going on here. And just like, hey, I get like this happens a lot at like bigger events where it's like a lot of people and you get people who get really salty, but they're like a miserable salty. And it's just like, come on. Like, I need to pull you aside and we're having this conversation about how you are ruining everybody else's experience. So, yeah. And that's like a weird thing that nobody told me that was going to happen going into (laughs) this. There's no disclaimer of, hey, uh, you're going to get some disgruntled nerds and you're going to have to tell them to cool it or go home. I feel like that's because it's such a social thing and it's just personalities bumping into each other. There's going to be some some two people who just don't like each other. And you're like, I know Tim hates Ralph opposite ends of the board like that. It's something you you probably have to know that most people don't think about. Well, and you and you learn that over time too. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that um, it's less about people being awkward and just simple things like the speed of play, right? Yeah. So so some of the events that I run, like the Team Yankee, every month, we've got some of the players that just want to go very slowly and very deliberately, and there are other players. They want to play two games and have dinner in between, so they're they're really up for a two and a half hour to three hours max uh, gaming experience. And if the other guy takes two hours to set up, that ruins their day. So you learn that over time, and then what you try to do is I work to pair people with similar playing speeds together. New players, you try to pair them with somebody who's good at explaining the rules and will help the person. Give them like tactical advice it, in the it, game and be like, this is a good idea because this and this and this, which I explained already. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they don't just massacre the, the new player. The new player has fun. And because everybody's different, we're all different uh, people. It's the beauty of humanity. We're all wired a little bit differently. But some of the art with the events and, and that is trying to figure out a way to best handle the random collection of people who walk in the door and match them up in a way that they're all going to have fun. Yeah, and I feel like that's a it's not a thing anyone thinks about from the, the store runner or event runner perspective is um you never think that they have to do this personality calculus, I guess, would and it's it's a it's definitely an art. <laughs> it is, and it's yeah. something that we try and keep as veiled as possible being on the other side of the counter is we don't want to be like Hey, Ralph, you are a sack of absolute human garbage sometimes, so you're really hard to deal with because if you start losing, you're just a miserable human being. And taking that into account to how we're going to match you up, like you can't tell people that. And it's just like, it's this whole thing and you've got to like play it cool. And like sometimes you'll, especially with like tournament software, you'll see a pairing come up and you're like, Nope, manually overriding that. We can't have this. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've um, had a few of those. Uh, I, I think I had to do that once or twice with the... Uh... We did that with random doubles, but that's just because th- we had people getting stomped by knights repeatedly. Yeah, and that's because like, we had to shift the knights a lot. <laughs> and it's like, well, we want to make sure that yeah. these people still have fun, even though mathematically they should be matched against these other people and taking into account just the quality of experience over necessarily mathematically doing that and now i feel like we're gonna have a lynch mob after us with pitchforks and torches and all that being like you fiddled with the standings and okay you in, a, in a random doubles a tournament, that tournament you are not that, supposed uh, to take seriously yeah. you're but just still, supposed to bring something silly and not plan on there's winning. no such thing as a good night <laughs> <laughs> i don't i just 
that just killed my thought. Um, yeah. That but, happens. Yeah, no. And just sometimes, like, I've run some big ITC stuff, and you'll see an initial pairing. I don't mind doing it initial pairings, where you're like, uh-oh, this is going to make for a very bad experience for whoever's around this. So with that, it's just like, well, they get matched up alphabetically or by whoever signs up. So that doesn't matter. But you know, sometimes you've just got to step in and be like, mm, yeah. yeah. And I guess that also comes down to knowing your community and like knowing how to handle people. Well, and you can learn on, on things where, you know, a lot of the events I run are recurring. So third Saturday, Stalingrad that we just started, or second Saturday, Team Yankee. I've been doing Team Yankee on the second Saturday for two and a half years, since something like out. that. Yeah, yeah, since it came yeah. out. And part of that is you can actually work with the players if they need a little coaching around, hey, you know, you, you need to understand where the other person is coming from. Most of the people that come in, like Aaron said, you know, yeah, every once in a while you, you, you get somebody that's just... Uh, not a particularly nice person, but I, I don't have that problem m- much at all. They're all good yeah. people. They all come at it with a maybe a slightly different perspective. But sometimes you have personalities that aren't easy to mix, or somebody has a habit that somebody else doesn't like, you know. And when that happens, if it bothers you that the guy rolls his dice in a dice tray and you can't always see him, talk to him. Don't yeah. just say, I don't want to play X. Yeah. Um, right. You know, uh, have the conversation and say, hey, could you, would you be willing to roll your dice uh, this way or that way? It's just silly little things that sometimes can cause people to have a. Yeah. A problem, but over time, you know, they learn to. Uh, hey, if I'm playing against this guy, he really likes it when I use bright dice. So I use bright dice, and that way yeah. he can see what I'm rolling. Or, or she doesn't like this. Or it, 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 and it, that's good for the players. It's also good for the overall event because those problems don't recur. Once somebody kind of gets that, you don't have to worry about. It. I don't want you know, person A playing person B, they're fine because they've worked out the little issue that caused them. Right. Yeah, those kind of little logistical things make sense. When you have people who you know are going to actually start a fight over rules as written, you're just like, this is not a a fight for today. That's a very 40K problem. That is a very... Very 40K problem. Yeah, whereas like with the historicals, it's like, oh, well, it's a lot more yeah. casual and, you know, people aren't yep. going to... all my French blew up. Oh, well. like <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not going to be, you know, people getting actually angry. Well, yeah. that, that's when it's good to have like an authority on the rules <laughs> yeah. involved. Like whoever is running the event needs to have a really good ra- like grasp on it and then just make, if you have to, you make that final decision. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is what we're doing. If May we not find be out later right. that, it's, that it's wrong... We'll change it in the future, but this is what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, and that's why when I run events, I always like to have somebody else with me because I end up doing the logistical stuff, the tabulations, and all of the fun matchups and stuff, but especially even. if there isn't software and I've got to manually do out math and figure oh, it man. out on my own. The crazy stuff we had to do for the random doubles. Um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, as far as having somebody else like... Aaron runs the front-facing sides of those events that we co-organized because I'm sitting there doing paperwork and occasionally math. And um, when people are like, hey, so uh, I, I need a rules question. I'm in the middle of something. I don't have time. Yeah. And right. 
Aaron doesn't want to sit there behind a laptop doing math. Putting numbers in to a machine. Yeah, we're, you know, just having that other person that you can rely on. And also, I feel like that's the, if having a, having another person there is um, taking pictures of your events and posting them to social media is very, very good for, for a store and a community. Because um, that's something I always try to do when I run something is post it to the Gajo page and sometimes to the Utah's Warhammer page. Because that's, um, you know, it brings people in. And, it, and, and also, like, people like seeing their army online. Yeah. Like, I, n- I know whenever I'm at an event and it's like, here's pictures from this event, I'm always, I'll always scroll through it and be like, here I am. Like, everyone, everyone does it. It's always fun to just look through all the pictures at an event and see if, if your guys made it in. Yeah. Or if they got if they got a, a picture or anything. Yeah, because that's that's always cool, and I, I I really try and make sure that that happens. Yeah, with North Jersey Wargamers, which was the um, kind of loose affiliation of stores from where I'm originally from, we had an Instagram, we had a Twitter, we had the Facebook page, and I was always good about throwing it out into social media because we'd be of people who'd like, oh yeah, Instagram guy found you guys that way, which is something that social media is such a powerful scroll store tool and having a strong presence with that can really bring people into your events who otherwise wouldn't know that you run that kind of event. Yeah. I mean, um, on a whim when I, when we played Blucher last week, I just posted it, threw it on the, the Gajo site and Nobody, nobody plays Blucher. Um, I like it. I think it's very cool. You know, I feel like having, having like those small games that nobody plays. Because if everyone's just posting 40K pictures, it's like, yep, they do 40K and only 40K. I feel like it's it's nice to, to mix it up as well. And I definitely judge stores and groups by what they've posted. If it's all like, this was our ITC stuff for 40K from the last 48 tournaments we've run. I'm like, oh. So they're just, they're just a competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's important and when i moved from new jersey to utah that was something i was looking at was definitely kind of going to stores and kind of interviewing them to see if it was a place i wanted to spend my time and money yeah well the other thing we do for the historicals more than the the 40k because i don't like taking pictures of unpainted models that's always a problem with 40k (laughs) (laughs) is is I do a store blog, yeah, and we put it on the website, and it tends to be read. I mean, the historical players read it. I know they read it because when I'm a little bit late on putting it up, I get all kinds of flack. <laughs> um, but it's amazing sometimes the mail order customers. I get a call from a. I get a call the other day from a guy in Texas who was asking me a question about some battle that I had run two months previously where I posted up all the pictures and how did you do this? And we're thinking about doing something similar. And oh, by the way, can I order some some painted figures from you? So I think that that sort of stuff is really useful because there's a, a tendency in the hobby to feel very disconnected, particularly if you live in an area where there's not a lot of store activity and or you don't have a store that supports historicals. And I think uh, anything that enhances the ability to feel connected to other gamers is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that was something I realized when I started doing conventions because I went to Origins. That was a thing I would do when I worked at Highlanders. I would go out to Origins and learn everything I could about everything. But in doing that, I made connections. There's a store in uh, Toledo that does a lot of old 
used minis that were, was a great connection to make and then there was a the there's a gaming group out of Michigan that I met and they were super cool and just having those connections across the country and being able to utilize those resources yeah. of like knowing people and being like oh well you know these guys you know, from group up in Michigan have this awesome Necromunda board and yeah. it was really cool to like interact with them and like get ideas that you could bring home to your own store and be like yes this is a thing that I'd like to try with yeah. you guys and see if it takes there's a um that reminds me um last lvo i was playing uh age of sigmar and i brought my ogres i was the only ogre player there and everyone walked over and was like oh ogres they're terrible and i'm glad you brought them and i had the sh the, the terrible artillery that was just useless except it's big and gets in the way and has a lot of wounds so it's actually not that bad but it's it's not it doesn't do damage but man it's it's cheap and uh, can get in the way. But anyway, and this dude was uh, this, this this guy was like messaged me if uh, like a week after after I got home, and he's like, "Hey man, that was the game I played with you was the best, and I was my favorite game." So he invited me to his uh, Facebook group, and I always I just I just sit there and spy on him. I haven't posted anything because it's out of I think Ohio or something. I don't know. It's it's far away, but and it's just it's just cool um, that that kind of stuff can happen. So yeah, and I think that like a lot more like, interacting with gaming groups as much as like stores is important for that balance of like, these guys are community oriented 100%. They don't have a stake in making profits, that sort of thing. So getting ideas from them that you can bring back home to your store and be like, let's see if the guys want to do this. Cause I yeah. heard this was kind of a neat thing that this group liked and, you know, kind of taking it a, a step back from the retail and, you know, treating your community as a community instead of a customer base yeah and that's a, that's a because the, the the people are gonna buy stuff they're cool models they're not gonna not be bought everyone likes them they're cool <laughs> so running it is more having the community be loyal to your store not loyal but you know what i mean like i feel like that's more important than like we have this sale or something because a lot of stores are just like we have the best price and that's it yeah, or like, why would that attract me to your store when I can just go to like one of the huge online retailers that discount stuff 40% all yeah. the time? What's my incentive for getting in? First of all, getting dressed, going, <laughs> getting out of bed, getting out of bed, getting in my car, <laughs> driving to the place, interacting with a human to get the same thing that I could just buy online. Yeah, and that can be kind of a difficult thing for some people some people just don't yeah and <laughs> some people just buy stuff online and that's you know that's fine that's I just a it. different kind of hobbyist and those are usually i've in my observations those are generally the people who are more paint oriented yeah and they're definitely more hobbyist than gamers yeah definitely is there anything else because we're kind of we're, we're pretty pretty far in so uh, no, nothing i can think of all right okay so i guess it's what's on our table yeah um, so I'm, I might finish painting my Blood Bowl team this year. You've said that multiple episodes and it's not done. <laughs> I'll leave it when I say it. <laughs> uh, hey, they have some paint on them. They're not gray, so it's not bad. It, yeah, no, they're That's not fine. gray. They, they've got two shades of pink on them right now. Ooh. <gasps> and those are the guys who aren't like mostly done yeah. with the green on them as well. Mm. Ooh, two Look. whole colors, two whole colors. Aaron. <laughs> Being a pest. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, I would say, diligently working on those, but that's a bold-faced lie, and we all know it. I am half, haphazardly eventually getting to those at some point, maybe. And um, as far as other stuff, really kind of just reading into um, the Necromunda stuff with the new uh, House Deluxe stuff that just came out. and Those I'm, models are so cool. 
Oh my goodness. They're so I've been, creepy. I've been reading so much about them and I'm so excited by them. And it's like, I have my Cotter guys with like two colors on them that I will eventually also finish Very painting. Those two colors. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Very consistent. <laughs> at least there's paint on them yes absolutely so yeah as soon as i'm eventually maybe at some point before i'm like a thousand years old done painting those i would probably want to do those but i've been reading up about them and they're insane and great and the insert that came with the white dwarf with their stats and stuff got me very excited about that so that's kind of what i've been up to this week so aaron what about you i've played some new games so uh first i, I we tried aurelian which is blucher the same guy sam, sam mustafa i forget his name sam mustafa yeah yeah sam mustafa um so, nice guy yeah i believe it i wouldn't know I, i've met him he's <laughs> a nice guy yeah because we play blucher pretty regularly it's right now it's it's uh our small little groups napoleonic game and we're actually gonna do some six millimeter six mil uh waterloo at some point because it's cheap and you can get a very impressive looking board out of it because that sounds fun um and two colors in a wash i think i can handle that yes <laughs> pretty much um but no we tried aurelian which is interesting uh, it doesn't use dice at all there's there's one you have a deck that you have your basic cards and then your faction cards like i played uh, sarmatians there's only four factions in it because it's a specific time period, but you have the you have the deck and it's your rolls and your morale and your fatigue. So they all have like a like a rally value, an actual like number value, and then like an effect. So you can play them for, for effect. You can play them for like to win combats or how many moves you get. And when you lose units, you remove cards for the game. And when you win, like uh, when you do a combat, you'll lose the highest card that was played. So if if you play a high card to win a combat, that is a card that is not going to be in your deck. So it's 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 really interesting. I'm not. I've only played it the once. It plays. It's a lot like DBA. It's that same kind of system where it's the terrain really matters and and uh, constricted movement. It's a little different, obviously. But the only thing that's random is they hit coin flip. That's it. So. I think it's an interesting take. I'll definitely try it again. And also, like, you can just buy the cards and play it, which I find I really like that because then I can just try out games. Because, like, yeah, miniatures are obviously the better way to do it. But if I just want to try a game and um, I don't have to paint anything and it doesn't take up much storage space, it's it's very nice. I, I feel like it's for for a, um, a very much a sometimes game, like, Maybe twice a year we'll bust out Blucher or whatever. And then, you know, it doesn't take up space. You don't have to paint it. And you just get a fun little game. And uh, they're interesting. They're, all, they're, they're both very interesting. So uh, I've also painted some town. That's about it. Uh, I have recently started getting back into Flames of War. Uh, I picked up some T-34s just to start with. Some Ooh. of the old resin and metal parts. I'm really glad they moved to plastic. Yes. I really... Every single metal piece is the worst piece. Yeah. Thankfully, they have the, the plastic treads, so those are super nice. But yeah, putting them together has been... The metal treads were always arduous. really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the metal treads always had weird casting mistakes. Yeah. And then, all, along with that, I've been working on my uh, War Master Empire stuff. Ooh. Yeah, I have to get... I am very excited. I have to bust out my dog's war and lose at you. I, I <laughs> do not have much at all that's okay so <laughs> so i uh i painted i have a fully painted blood bowl team uh <laughs> except uh jeremy got me uh, a hero for my rats and uh i finished him up this week the, i have no idea what he does but he looks cool and he's very large <laughs> he's the fat one yeah, yeah the, the big fat the really rat star yeah player. he is a uh 
He's four rats in one, uh, <laughs> but uh, he looks really cool. He painted up really nice, so that was uh, that was good. I've been painting some Tau. I have a Tau force that I got when Jeremy and Aaron were teenagers, probably, and we were we were starting 40k. Tau, um, Tau had just come out. Yeah, like you bought it when it was brand brand new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're they're old models and the. My Tau army was the army that they let their friends use when they wanted to play, and their friends didn't have troops. So they're all kind of beat up and uh, broken at the ankles and stuff. So I've been pinning them and going back and actually painting them, and I've had some fun with that. And then this month's uh, mega game that I'm running is uh, Lord of the Rings, because it's December, and I always do Lord of the Rings in December. So Because um, that's I've... when the movies came out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it's, you, you got to have a, lo- a month for Lord of the Rings. So we're doing the Battle of Fornost, um, which is the fall of the Witch King. And I've been going through the War of the Ring rules um, and adding profiles and working on uh, getting some cards put together so it'll help people run through the game really well when we get uh, it's less than two weeks away now. So. All right. So, Aaron, do you want to talk about our sponsor? Well, I could and I will. <laughs> I'm not good at I'm not good at ad plugs yet, but they're they're funnily bad, I guess. That's funnily is not a word, but now it is. Today as always we're sponsored by Gajar Games, which is uh hey, the owner is here. Anyway, um so that <laughs> for uh for you not in state listeners, most importantly, we provide a lot of uh pre-painted miniatures, all historicals, 15s and 28s or 25s, kind of in that range. There's always a weird... They're all 28s. Yeah. Didn't we used to have some 25s? Or was that just the Tommy Gunner stuff? Yeah, there haven't yeah, been they're any all real dead. Temp 25s yeah. in a long time. Yeah, 25s don't... That's a dead scale. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 15s and, and, and 28s, and uh, normally I pick a unit uh, that is cool, that I like to highlight, because that's fun. And, uh, oh, I don't know. What's a cool unit? What's new? Well, we do say, you were talking about uh, Aurelian, and we do sell, if you wanted to use miniatures for that, we have pre-painted uh, Sarmatians, and we also have pre-painted Romans in 15 millimeter scale. You can do them for DBA, you could do them for DBMM, or Art de la Guerre, or Aurelian. Or you can buy it and use it for all of it, because most of them use the same basing size. Yes, they do. So, excellent, yes. Um, and the, you can hit up the website, it's gajominis, G-A-J-O-minis.com, and... Uh, Get all the good stuff there. We're also a store in Sandy and uh, Trebillion tables, every war game, not every, but just all the all the big war games. We have pretty much everything in stock that uh, we can get our grubby little hands on. And also uh, almost every paint line that, that, that is available domestically. I'm trying. Yeah. There's, there's like one or two. I like paint. Yeah. There's like one or two paint lines that we don't have. In the paint department. <laughs> yeah. We have a whole, it's a lot. Uh, so yeah, Gotcha Games. It's dope. That's not a great. Th- th- we did dope a lope. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> yes, we're obviously recording from the um, Gajo Annex Dungeon. Yes, <laughs> because the store is so big that we keep forgetting about rooms. Yeah, that's how that works, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, do that, I guess. Hooray. 